You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. He's good, amen, church? He's faithful. Hey, I know it's been stated already, but I just want to reiterate we have a wild game dinner coming up. Come on, somebody. We have a wild game dinner coming up, and we're, we're looking for help. Um, we need help to, to make this event happen. So if you'd be uh, able to offer your services, you can head over to our Church Center app and sign up online. We're looking for as many helping hands as we possibly can. And I'm also happy to report Last year, we were able to give away, for those of you who are familiar with archery, we were able to give away a brand new Matthews bow. Um, Matthew actually, Matthews archery gave us a huge discount, and we were able to get the bow for reasonable costs and give it away. Um, This year, in light of COVID, a lot of our sponsorships have actually kind of pulled back, and we were able to find some more amazing ones. So can we give it up for God's uh, faithfulness? Amen. But when we are looking for a bow giveaway... And this hurts me to say because I'm a Hoyt guy. Uh, we reached out to my beloved Hoyt, and they weren't able to help us. But I want to brag on Matthews for a moment. They didn't ask us to do this, but I think it, it's, you know, it, it's justifiable and it, it's just worth it. Um, we reached out to Matthews, and can I just say, like, their response is incredible, and they are more than happy to help our church with a brand new Matthews bow that we're going to be giving away again this year. And it kind of pains me to say this, but I told Matt Russo, who's heading up the uh, the sponsorship and in, in our uh, digital media director, uh, uh, Lee, um, I reached out to them in the text message and I said, you know, I may just be selling my Hoyt and have to invest into Matthews now. So I'm just saying, it's awesome. We're looking forward to the event. And I also want to say that um, please make sure if you're attending the Wild Game Dinner, um, bring unsaved friends, bring unsaved family members, bring coworkers, because there's going to be a gospel presentation. The speaker is kind of okay. He's all right. He's my dad. Um, He's going to be coming in and giving a gospel message. And I'm really looking forward to this Wild Game Dinner. The whole reason why we do the Wild Game Dinner, um, of course, is fellowship. That's awesome. But even more than that, it's to see the lost come to know Jesus. And so bring the unsafe friends, family worker or family and, and workers, uh, co-workers and so on and so forth, and it'll be good. All right? You with me, church? You happy? Tell your faces. You love Jesus? Amen. Today we're continuing our series titled Vision. Would you say that word vision with me on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. Vision. Vision. We're continuing this series and in our world today, I I believe that often the mark of a, a great leader is people will describe him or her as a visionary. How many of you are familiar with this word? Visionary. And, excuse me. More often than not, there's a common understanding as to what exactly this compliment, this word visionary means. When we hear the word visionary, the common understanding and assumption is that the person that we're talking about is able to see something before it became a reality. 
that it was almost like a dream. But how many of you know that like there's a difference between dreams and visions? Dreams are often things that we ponder and they never come to be a reality. Vision is when we see something and are provided mentally or passionately a strategic plan to see that vision come to pass. Are you with me? Are you with me? There's a common understanding that the assumption is that the person is able to see something before anybody else did. In our world today, people often follow those with great vision. Why? Because with vision, seeing something before it's a reality can be inspiring, but there's also purpose with vision, a common goal with vision, and it tends to draw people to the purpose. You know, I, I, I kind of hate using this example because I know that it can be a divide, and, and the word Disney has become like a swear word in our culture, right? But I want to like talk about before like Disney was actually Disney. It'll make sense later. Just think about it. But I, I remember hearing this, this story about Walt Disney, and I remember hearing somebody say t- that Walt Disney had, had passed away before the park was built. And so somebody approached his wife and said, you know, I'm, I'm just sad that Walt wasn't able to see this actually come to pass. And his wife turned and said, Walt saw it the whole time. This is the first time that we're seeing it. Vision kind of works like that. Where God has given us an image, God has given us something that maybe we see that others don't see, but then he gives us the passion and the strategic plan to see it come to pass. Allow me to, uh, before, actually before I say that, let me also brag on vision just for another moment. Winston Churchill said it like this, vision has the power to turn cowards into warriors. Churchill was referring to the fact that vision inspires, directs, and often leads people. Back to what I was going to say. Allow me to state the obvious. God is a visionary. Come on, somebody. God is a visionary. He sees the future, so how could he not be? Throughout the Word of God, God uses prophets. And did you know that the word prophet in Hebrew actually means roah? which is translated to literally mean seer. God is a visionary. These seers are used in mighty ways, and still today, glory to God, God is raising up prophetic visionaries. Amen, church? In first service, I bragged on him, and I can brag on him more because now he's not here, and I can say whatever I want. But somebody that I think of that, that, like, I just look at how God is raising up prophetic voices, and somebody that I, I just look at in the change that has happened in his life is, is for those of you who may know him, um, Matt Hammock. Matt was here in first service, and like, I looked at Matt, and I, I told him, I was like, where did you come from? Allow me to explain, if you don't know Matt, Matt used to be quiet. Matt used to be reserved. And when I say used to be, I don't mean like years ago. I mean like November. In November, Matt was quiet, reserved. He would never like pray out loud. He was just kind of bad. And, and I'm not like condemning that. God was working on him in a season. How many of you are thankful for seasons where we're just kind of leaning into the Lord? And God prepared him. And in first service, Matt's coming up to me and he's crying. In November, Matt didn't show emotion. 
And Matt's coming up to me and he's like, Pastor Donnie, I feel like the Lord has put this word on my heart. And Matt is standing up here giving prophetic messages and speaking about the vision that God has placed on his life. That's not Matt. That's the Lord. And it's just incredible to see that God is still in the business of raising up visionaries, seers, people who often see something before it becomes a reality. Why? Because we serve the God who turns the impossible into reality. Throughout the Word of God, He, he is in God gives people new names that redefine their identity. Why? Because it was a part of God's vision. He was saying, your past no longer defines you. The call that I've placed on your life now defines you. Who you are and who I say you are now defines you. In Scripture, you and I can read story after story after story where God had a plan and a vision, and he revealed it to those who weren't qualified. Come on, somebody. Because God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the called. And those who are obedient carry out what seemed like a dream. Said to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and see my people set free. That's a dream. But then God turns it into a reality. God speaks to hearts and gives vision. He allows us to see a little bit in what he's doing and says, just trust me, just follow me. And you and I are therefore able to see what may seem like a dream, then come become a vision. Or excuse me, a reality. You knew what I meant. Don't judge me. <laughs> but the reality of a vision, hear me church, is not only based on what we see, but what we do with the vision. It's not enough to just hear from God. It's not enough to just receive a vision. The determining factor in what really makes vision incredible is when we are obedient and it is lived out. It's not enough for Moses just to receive direction and vision from God. I'm going to set my people free and then Moses never do anything with it. Come on, somebody. And I believe that more often than not, the church is given a vision, but we fail to act on it. The incredible thing about vision is not only that we are given maybe a a message from the Lord or a mental image or that he's leading us in vision, the incredible thing is whenever you and I are obedient to him. I tend to believe that the people of God are called to be visionaries. Not just seeing incredible things, but acting on them. Can I get a witness? I'm convinced that the world around us should look at the body of Christ and see that we are always following and experiencing incredible things because we're following the God of vision. This wasn't in my notes, but I want to say it anyways. I'm tired of the church playing catch up to culture. I'm tired of the church taking its cues from culture. I believe that we've been given something, someone called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he's creative. You know, Jesus, like, he doesn't doesn't heal anybody the same way. It's always different. There's a creative element there. The Holy Spirit is creative. And I am convinced that when the people of God are in full submission to the Lord, that the culture around us should see that we are people of vision because we follow a God of vision. 
I'm tired of the Hollywood industry being the creative ones. We've been given the Holy Spirit. I'm tired of the culture's music. I'm, I'm a musician. I just want to say that, like, I'll admit, culture's music often sounds a little bit better than ours. Why? Because we keep copying and pasting the same thing. Can we just stop that? Come on, somebody. I believe that when we've got the Holy Spirit on our side, our music can be even better. Our entertainment can draw more in. It's just a matter of submission. Is this making sense this morning? The people of God are called to be visionaries. When you and I follow the God of vision, the God who sees the future, the present, and the past simultaneously, how could we be anything else? So what is our vision as a church? What is Crossroads Community Church vision? As we discussed last week, it's simple. Love God, love people, change the world. What is our mission? How are we going to act on this? How are we going to see loving God, loving people, changing the world come to pass? And it's through our mission statement. Would you read this in unison with me? Can we have it up on the screen, our mission statement? On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Crossroads, community. And build up by... How are we going to fulfill the Great Commission? How are we going to see this vision come to pass? Well, it's broken down through four core values that we have as a church. And we're only going to be doing two of them today because I made some promises that I'm going to try and finish on time. We're believing for signs and wonders, all right? Crossroads Community Church core values. Number one, we welcome everyone. Number two, we are purpose-driven. Did you know that the church is called to be the church and not an entertainment industry? Number three, we grow in our giftings. And again, I just want to celebrate the different giftings that God has been raising up in Crossroads Community Church. It's incredible that, that we had a men's conference here a few weeks ago. And I'm just sitting there listening to guys from our church who sit where you do, get up and speak in such an anointed way where I'm just sitting here going, who are you? And I'm just blown away at the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are rising up within this body. I'm amazed at the stories like, like we just spoke a moment ago of Matt Hammock, somebody where, you know, did you know that God can change you? Did you know that? I, I, I'm almost like ashamed to admit this, but even as a Christian, there have been times in my life where I'm like, I don't think that person can change. And then God shows up. Did you know that God changes us? And I'm looking at these giftings that he's pouring out and people are coming up to me on, you know, at this men's conference and saying like, I didn't know we had so many gifted pastors in the congregation. I'm like, yeah, me either. And if you remember, about two years ago, one, one and a half to two years ago, it was spoken from this platform that Crossroads Community Church, here's the vision that the Lord gave us two years ago, that Crossroads Community Church would be a place that fills up and sends out. And we're starting to see glimpses of that, where people are approaching me who are being 
gifted with the gift of, of, of pastoring or evangelism, ministry to some capacity, and I have guys who are coming up to me in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and ladies alike who are coming up and saying that my career that I have right now, I'm not going to retire in. The Lord is moving me towards ministry. And I'm reminded of that prophetic word that was spoken. Crossroads Community Church will be a church that fills up and sends out for the sake of reaching the world. And I also have to admit, on that same line, and I said this two years ago when the prophetic word came. Being a church that fills up and sends out sounds really good. Like, that sounds beautiful. Like, I would trademark that and use it as a slogan. We're a church that fills up and sends out. But there's a part of my pastor's heart that's a little bit selfish in this because I don't want anyone to go out. I'm like, Lord, just, just fill up. You just keep filling up and we'll just keep enjoying it. Like, I like buffets. I like when they fill up buffets. You just keep filling up the C3 buffet. I don't want anybody to leave. I don't want anybody to go out. But if that's what the Lord is calling us to do, then how many of you know we've got to be obedient to that vision, especially when it starts becoming a reality? God put that in our hearts, that third one. He put all these. But that third one is what he spoke to the leadership team three years ago. When the leadership team agreed that that was going to be one of our core values, we grow in our giftings. We had no idea what God was going to be doing. And now that's coming to pass. And I just also want to say that it's just the tip of the iceberg. God's just getting started. The car hasn't even warmed up yet. Number four, we strive for excellence. Numbers three and four, we're going to be going over next week. But for today, I want to focus on the first two. Number one, would you say it with me? One, two, three, we welcome everyone. Kind of reminds me of Buddy the Elf. Singing loud for all to hear. Anyways, sorry. The best way to spread Christmas tree. Christmas is over. Stop it. Romans chapter 15 verse 7 says, Therefore, welcome one another. And here's the standard church. As Christ has welcomed you. That's a difficult standard. And why do we do this? Paul says, for the glory of God. Did you know that in, in the manner in which you and I welcome one another and receive people into the body of Christ and are kind to one another, did you know that that is not only worship to God, but others can see a glimpse of God in that act of kindness? We welcome everyone. And I'm not talking about the superficial, hey, how are you? I, I, I'm so done with superficial relationships, and I believe that technology has really fanned the flame of superficial relationships. We're like, we no longer understand or know how to interact with people face-to-face. -face. We're a generation that is pretty selfish, to the point to where we no longer would know what it's like to receive a call in the middle of the night from a friend, someone that you have deep, meaningful relationship with, that they're in need of help, and you go and you actually help them. We're a generation, we're a world of superficial relationships, and my heart really feels for Generation Z. Because Generation Z has, 
all they've experienced is relationships through technology, which are inevitably superficial relationships. But church, I also want to say, before we start condemning a generation and acting like they just sprouted up out of the ground and nobody raised them, let's remember that some of us in here were their parents. So you and I have to teach how to have deep and meaningful relationships, not just by word, but also indeed in the way that we live. Amen? So when we talk about welcoming everyone, we're not talking about superficial relationships. Hey, how are you? And moving on to the next thing. Our standard must be higher than that. And Paul discusses the higher standard. Paul says, specifically referring to Christians embracing one another and keeping unity, Paul says, welcome others as Christ has welcomed you. Did you know that Christ welcomed you into his family with all of your garbage? Come on, somebody. How many of you know we can be a little bit messy? And Christ still welcomed you in. God still welcomes us in no matter what condition we're in. And some of us have, have gotten the, the, the lines blurred where we think that in order to welcome someone in, we have to agree with all that they do. You know, my wife doesn't even agree with all that I do. Love you, babe. How many? <laughs> Bless you. How many of you know that that's not a normal standard to hold? You're not going to agree with anybody on this earth 100%. But you still have to welcome them in. And you still have to love them. And loving others and welcoming in does not mean that you agree with all that they do. It means just that. You welcome them in. You show them love and kindness Dare I say, you still love them and get along with them even when you don't agree with one another. Paul says welcoming one another brings glory to God. And his point is this, church. Hear me this morning. Welcoming one another should be the root in Christianity. Christians should be known for welcoming others in. Amen? Being hospitable, doing life together, building one another up, forming deep friendships. When people describe the body of Christ, there should be a common theme in the description of welcoming others, outsiders in. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus teaches us to care for others as a way of welcoming them. And when we do this, we show Christ to them. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9 says, show hospitality without complaining. Paul again touches on welcoming others in Galatians chapter 3. Acts chapter 2 and chapter 3 give strong lessons about doing life together. Did you know that as the body of Christ, we're called to do life together? You and I are called to have deeper relationships than just on Sundays. Come on, somebody. We're called to be connected, involved. Not in an overbearing way, but you know what I mean. We're called to be welcoming, connected. I'm convinced that there are no, there is no other friendship on the face of the earth as good as meeting together as brothers and sisters in Christ. There's nothing like it. Like having Christian friends, people who love Jesus, it's an incredible friendship. To come together, to come to a place where you have others who are for you. 
when you have friends in Christ that challenge you, and we all love the sound of that, but then we come to understand that challenging hurts, but it's necessary. Having friends in the body of Christ, there's no other relationship like it. Amen, church? Which means in the body of Christ, if we're welcoming others, it means that there's no cliques in the body of Christ. It means that people are not excluded. That people don't have to prove themselves worthy of our hospitality. It means that everyone is welcome. Growing up as a pastor's kid, I have heard so many horror stories of people coming to church looking for Jesus and not finding him. I've heard so many horror stories of people looking for a church that would just simply love them, lead them, pour into them, and never finding one. And forgive me if you've attended here regularly and you've heard this story before, forgive me for sharing it again, but there's just there, when we talk about welcoming others in and, and having these bad experiences, because I believe that like if you grew up in a church background, how many of you know somebody who experienced uh, uh, not being welcomed in by a church, by a show of hands? Somebody who was hurt by that. It's a majority of the room. And I, I remember as a pastor's kid, though, there was this one specific Sunday where my dad addressed this from the platform. And that's how you know that it was bad. When dad addressed something from the platform, y'all better just quit. And I remember it was over this situation where you see my, my mom, it, it, I'm looking forward to having my mom in one of these days to, to preach. If you've ever seen Leave It to Beaver, she's the mom. My mom, just sweetest woman on the planet. And I remember my mom just kind of was always on the greeting team. Officially on a schedule? No. But anybody who walked into the church, my mom would greet them. And if they were new to the church, she would help their kids find the kids' ministry and connect them. And she would go into the sanctuary with them and help them find seats. And I remember there were two new couples this one Sunday morning. And my mom was just doing what she does on a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday basis and takes these these, these two couples over to a section of seats. And unfortunately, my mom approached a row where there was a family there that thought that they owned the seats in the church. How many of you are familiar with this caliber of Christian? Like, you know them by their fruit. And when you ask them, you know, like, to move or whatever, like, this is the caliber of Christian that starts telling about how they tithe all the time. And my mom approaches this, this row of people and says, this is a new family with us, and they're so happy to be here, and would you please scoot over so that our guests can sit? And they looked at my mom, the sweetest woman on the planet, and told her no. Yeah, I still struggle with not finding their address to this day. And how mortifying. Can you feel how uncomfortable that is? And the family went on to explain how these seats are for our family. 
And so my mom, and please understand, this is not the DNA of the church that my dad was pastoring. And so my mom goes to the row in front and says, this is the, the new family. This is our first time here. They're looking for a seat. The church was growing. The sanctuary was full. And, and she goes, could you please scoot over? And she was told no again. And I'll never forget my dad's sermon the following week where he addressed it. I don't know, you remember it, Kai? Kylie and I grew up in church together. And I remember my dad standing on the platform, and he proved this point. This is something for all of us to keep in mind. He said, when there's somebody new in your church and you don't know where they, their eternity stands and you tell them that they don't have a seat, what you are saying is you can go to hell and I'll sit here in church. It's my dad. May we never, ever be that kind of church. We will always be a welcoming church. You don't have to earn our hospitality and love. We love you because you're one of God's created children. So church, one of the things that I'm very proud about, again, not in a prideful, arrogant sense, but just the fact that like, I love when it comes to Crossroads Community Church, I hear on a weekly, almost daily basis, compliments given about how this church, our church, is a welcoming church. Don't ever lose that. And don't ever think that your job is finished because the second that you think that you have arrived, you've only started. So the question for our church, for Crossroads Community Church, isn't how do we stop being an unwelcoming church and become a welcoming church? The question and challenge for Crossroads Community Church in light of Paul's teaching to welcome everyone as Christ Jesus has, our question is different. How can we prevent us from ever becoming that unwelcoming church? Does that make sense? So here are some key principles that I believe will help us. Number one, understand that every Christ follower is on the welcoming team. If you call yourself a Christian, you are on the welcoming team. Give yourselves a round of applause, welcoming team. Great job. Consider this, that in the story that I just gave you, it wasn't anyone in leadership that offended the new couple. It was the body. Why? Because there's an understanding that if you call yourself a Christian, you should be welcoming. It doesn't say church leadership be welcoming. It's not exclusive. It doesn't say the worship team be welcoming. It says if you are following Christ, the body of Christ, welcome others as Christ welcomed you. You and I are on the welcoming team. Whether you're on a schedule to stand at the door or not, you're on the welcoming team. If there ever comes a moment where you're looking around the sanctuary and you see new faces and you're sitting there going, boy, somebody should welcome them, that somebody's you. Come on, somebody. 
It's not the job of the board members. It's not the job of the worship team members. It's the job of the body of Christ. And by you welcoming, you're giving glory to God. Here's what that means. Before the worship team plays, your life is preaching. Before a word ever comes out of the pastor's mouth, you as the body of Christ are preaching. It means that before people even enter the building, if you see them in the parking lot, you're preaching. And you and I are either preaching a message that brings glory to God or you and I are preaching a different message. Church, may we never forget that every single one of us is on the welcoming team. Can I get a witness? The worst thing that we could do as the body of Christ is see someone that hasn't been spoken to and say, the welcoming team should have done that. You and I are that team. How do we make sure that we remain a welcoming church? Secondly, see the church experience through the lens of a first-time visitor. Always keep that in mind because this place will become familiar to you. It will feel like a second home. And thank God for that. But when things become familiar to us, we often forget that there are those who are walking in the midst of us and it is unfamiliar to them. So real quick, if you are a first-time visitor, I hope that you have felt welcomed. I hope that you have enjoyed this so far. Can we give it up for our first-time visitors? Awesome to have you. We love and appreciate you. Welcome. On behalf of the welcoming committee, I would like to say welcome. Thank you for welcoming others. I welcome you. You guys are awesome. You're welcome. See the church experience through the lens of a first-time visitor. Isn't it amazing how no matter what age you are, when you walk into an environment that you are unfamiliar with, surrounded by people that you've never met, it's nerve-wracking. Isn't that amazing? Like, no matter how old you get, when you walk into a new job, you're not walking in there with the same comfortability that you may have had in a more familiar job. It feels vulnerable, doesn't it? You and I should have the understanding that there's always going to be somebody in this place where it is their first time, and that should compel us to have compassion. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 puts it like this. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. I believe that if you and I are always keeping on the forefront of our mind that there's somebody in our midst who may be unfamiliar and we see the way that they see, I believe that that thought, that principle will motivate us through compassion. Is this making sense? May we always be full of compassion and sympathetic, not in a pitiful way, but in a way that understands we all were once the new person. Amen, church? Take initiative. Understand that your role as a Christian is to be welcoming. It's not the responsibility of the welcoming team at the door. It's the responsibility of every person who calls them a Christ follower. See the church experience through the lens of someone new, and may it motivate us to have compassion as defined in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. And our second and final core value that we're getting at today is number two, we are purpose-driven. Purpose goes hand in hand with the theme of vision because how many of you know that if you have vision and that vision has no purpose, that's not a vision. 
God doesn't give us vision that has no purpose. Everything that God does has purpose behind it. A reality in America is that every Sunday, millions upon millions of people will gather at a place of worship today, but the question that they don't even know the answer to still remains, why? Why do we go to church? Why do we gather? What is the purpose in all of this? And without confidently knowing the answers to that question, to those questions, it leaves us in, an, in a vulnerable identity crisis state. So why does the church exist? What is our purpose? I believe that those questions are answered in these next two scriptural passages. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40 says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. I hope that you see a reflection of our vision statement as a church represented in Matthew chapter 22. The vision of our church, love God, love people, change the world. It's a reflection of Jesus saying, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says on these two commandments, all of the law and prophets hang. What did he mean by that? What Jesus was referring to is that when you and I love God with all of our heart, when you and I love others as our neighbor, you and I inevitably fulfill the Ten Commandments. Think of it this way. How can you love God if you're serving an idol? How can you love your neighbor if you're coveting their things? You can't. All of the law hang on these two. And what is the purpose of the church? Did you know that the church has purpose? Did you know that we're called not to just keep these seats warm, but God actually has a mission in mind for us? The purpose of the church, love God, love people, but what's the mission? How are we going to do that? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Would you read this out loud with me, church? Therefore, go and baptizing them and teaching them and surely it's our purpose church did you know that we're called to be on the move worship team would you come the purpose of the church is to reach the lost and grow the found, love God and love people. Doesn't that sound simple? Isn't it amazing how we overcomplicate things? It's all we're called to do. Love God, love people, reach the world. So in what ways do we fulfill our God-given purpose as a church? As Crossroads Community Church, what ways do we fulfill our God-given purpose? Well, first thing that comes to mind is worship. We worship with our songs, our tithes. Did you know that your tithe is an offering, but also a worship, an act of worship? 
You and I worship in, in giving our tithes and offerings. It's a part of our practice. You see, tithing has gotten a bad rep because it's been so abused in years past. We're not all naive. We're, we've all been somewhat familiar of the tele-evangelist and the scandals and everything else. But that still doesn't change the fact that tithing is an act of worship. And although man has abused it, God has still called us to it because it can be done in a God-honoring way. We worship in our lifestyle because we recognize what he has done for us. So how are we living out our vision and our purpose as a church? We're worshiping. We're thanking God for all he's done. How are we fulfilling our God-given purpose as a church, the Great Commission? Secondly, fellowship. We get together and we eat. Glory to God. Come on, somebody. Bring me the carbs, baby. As Crossroads Community Church, why do we do picnics? Why do we night returning to, or excuse me, why do we on Wednesday nights returning to a church near you do volleyball nights? Oh, I can't wait. Why are we looking to arrange a sight and sound day for Crossroads Community Church to attend in 2023? Why do we host bonfires? Why do we do this? Because our purpose is to grow. And did you know that growth is the byproduct of fellowship? Did you know that? I want to say that again. Growth is the byproduct of Christian fellowship. You and I can't get around one another and not grow. When you and I have Jesus in us, there's just something about Christian fellowship. Again, we're for each other. There's something so anointed and profound about that. In what ways do we fulfill our God-given purpose? Discipleship. It's a part of our purpose. Why do we do Wednesday night ministry programs, Thursday morning Bible studies, kids ministry programs? Which, by the way, did you know that kids ministry is more than daycare? they'd get excited did you know that kids ministry is more than daycare kids ministry is incredible and it still blows my mind because we have these different theologians and philosophers throughout the ages who ponder God and the message of the gospel throughout their entire lives with all this complexity. But in kids ministry, something really cool happens. Kids ministry takes all of the complexity and wonder and simplifies it through a message that is understandable so that a two-year-old can know Jesus. Kids' ministry is incredible. Why do we do VBS? Why do we go to conferences? Because it's tied to our purpose. Grow the found. Find the lost. How are we fulfilling our God-given purpose? Ministry. Why are we a passionate church about meeting the needs of others? 
And why are we starting up a ministry that seeks to do service projects, inner city missions trips, international uh, missions trips? Why do we give to different uh, ministries such as Convoy of Hope, which is not only a relief ministry, but a need meeting ministry? Why do we support missionaries, which by the way, last year we were able to support, we're just at about 15 different missionaries that we support. And I'm praying that in 2023, we're going to be able to take on another 15. Why do we do this? It's our purpose. It's what we're called to do. See, somewhere back in our past, not our as in like our uh, church specific to Vogelsville, but the church at large, we forgot these things. We've become so consumed with putting out, with worship teams putting out record labels, and I'm not condemning that. I'm thankful for that. But church, there's so much more to being the body of Christ than that. And we're all called to participate. Amen? In what ways do we fulfill our God-given purpose? Mission. Why do we do a Veterans Day gospel message and free lunch? Why are we looking to have a special Friends Day here at church in 2023? Why do we do Sunday morning services? Why do we host men's conferences? Why are we looking to bring in Food Truck Sunday in 2023? Why do we make special services on Easter? Why do we do special events and gospel messages on 4th of July Sunday? Why do we have special speakers come in? Why do we do a wild game dinner? Why do we host a women's ministry event quarterly or excuse me, monthly? Why do we have women's ministry specific Bible studies? Why do we encourage people to bring friends and family? Because we're on mission. There's a purpose in what we do. Friend, I am convinced of this. I say this with love. If you're bored with Christianity, you're not doing it right. I like, I just want to be candid with you here today that like as a pastor, being a Christian gives me a heart attack sometimes. I'm like, I used to race motocross growing up. I was into extreme sports. I could give you my hospital resume. I was on a first name basis with the ER. I love adrenaline. Still to this day, my wife has to pull me back. We're like, I pass a crotch rocket, a street bike. And I'm like, honey. She's like, Donnie. All right. But nothing compares to the excitement of following Christ. When Jesus says, go. When Jesus says, give beyond your means, and you're like, Lord, I'm living beyond my means. How am I supposed to give beyond my means? And when he shows up in a miraculous way because you're obedient, when God tells you to have that conversation with a person who doesn't know him, when God gives you that little shove closer towards the edge of the diving board, it's not boring. And if you're bored with Christianity, I say this with love and excitement because you can turn it around today. Being a Christian is one of the most thrilling, exciting experiences that I have ever had in my life. Don't ever forget why we do what we do because the moment that we forget our purpose, church, we become dead. We're a dead church. Without these things, We're just an activity center, but God has more, amen?
as we close, I want to ask you the question, do you realize how incredibly special the body of Christ is? Like, I want you to honestly consider this. Do you, do you realize how crazy awesome this thing that we call church is? Like, in years past, I've heard church used as like a swear word. The church. It's more like the church, right? But there's some saying, oh, I gotta go to church. Do you realize how incredibly special this thing that we call church is? Like, here's how crazy this is. God Almighty himself, our creator, the one that so many today are reaching out for and calling out for and trying to know, did you know that the church is his family? Like, we don't just know him. We call him our father because we're that close and the church, what we do here on Sundays and Wednesdays and during the week, that's just a glimpse of like how incredible this is. That you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ, whether you like it or not. Why? Because he's our father. The church is his family. It's not this building either, by the way. It's all of us who fill it. The church helps us grow spiritually. There's nothing else, like, like when you and I get together, we grow spiritually. There's not these other activities, like, like it's when we get together and we pray together and we worship and like, like it causes us to grow spiritually. The church helps connect us to our purpose. God has purpose for your life, a calling for your life. Friend, the season that you're in today isn't by coincidence. It's not by chance. It's because God is leading you. And the season that you're in has a purpose that is bigger than you. And the church comes alongside of you and says, let me help you find the answer. The church helps us fulfill our purpose. You're not called to just keep seats warm on a Sunday. You're called to action, to move, to flow in this. And the church helps us find that purpose. And lastly, think of how incredible this is. The church is God's plan in reaching the world. He could have chosen any other way, but he said, I'm going to build my church. Hell's not going to stop it. He said, I'm going to build my church and I'm going to call you into this purpose. The church is incredible. There's nothing like it in this world. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask that every head be bowed and every eye closed. And today, I just want to challenge you three different ways. One, I want you to just continue to remind yourself how incredible church is. It's not something that we should drag our feet towards. It's not something that we should spit out of our mouth at church. But it's something so incredible. 
Secondly, I want to challenge you. Would you join the welcoming committee? I mean, would you extend kindness? You don't have to be on the schedule. You just have to be present. Would you preach a welcoming message that, as Paul says, reflects Christ and the way that he welcomed us? And lastly, friend, don't ever forget your purpose. You are created by God. You are created for God. It's that simple. So my question to you is, how are you living out that purpose? Have you found your place to serve in the body of Christ? In what ways are you giving Him glory and how you welcome others in? If you say, Pastor, like I, I really haven't found my place, I, I want to. In the lobby, on your left, on the way out, you'll see cards that you can fill out to find a place to plug into and serve. But in the meantime, would you join me in prayer as we close today and simply commit yourself to fulfilling these two things, being a welcoming Christian, and secondly, being purpose-driven, knowing your purpose and the vision that God has for you, but also living it out. And would you do this with me if you're comfortable? One of the ways that we express our surrender to the Lord is by lifting our hands in the air. If you're new with us and you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. We don't want to pressure anybody into this. But if you're comfortable, would you extend your hands towards heaven as an outward expression of an inward experience? Inwardly, we're simply saying, God, I commit myself to your purpose. I commit myself to this call to welcome others. So, Lord, I pray for every person who has our hand raised right now, Lord, that you would anoint them and lead them, that they would hear your voice so clearly. God, may we never wander around, walking around this world without hope because we've forgotten who we are, because we've forgotten whose we are. May we never drift from our purpose, but may we always cling to the purpose that you've placed us here on earth for, and that's to serve and glorify you and reach the lost, Lord Jesus. May we be purpose-driven in 2023. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be the most welcoming people, that the, the, the reputation that flows out of C3, Lord Jesus, would be one that reflects, as Paul says, the way that Christ welcomed us. Give us your heart, and may we never, ever take for granted how special it is to gather together as your children and serve you, our Father, as the church. Thank you for this incredible gift. Now help us, Lord, as we leave here today to walk in purpose. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, and if you believe God's going to do it, would you give him one more shout of praise, church? <laughs> Glory to God. God bless you as you go with the Lord. He's going with you. We'll see you at our Wednesday night Bible study. God bless you. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.